This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, all right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Uh, we're going over quarterback rankings today. We're going over running back rankings today. There's no more trade show on Wednesdays, guys. Okay, um, I know done. most of your deadlines are over. I've getting, I've been still getting some trade questions. Like, I'm surprised that your league is still allowing trades this late into the season, just two weeks away from the fantasy playoffs. I know a lot of people, a lot of teams are out of contention, um, but at this point, you know, you kind of have to, you know, work with what you got. At this yeah. point, you know, you have a couple more weeks of waivers. Uh, hopefully you have, a, you know, a team that's lined up to make a playoff run or a championship run. Uh, but, yeah, man, like it's, it's get, we're getting there. We're getting there. And, you know, me and Zach are in a couple leagues together and we're close. It's going to be a tight. It's going to be tight finishes, you know, going into uh, into next week and into week uh, 14, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Really tight finishes. And this is we're getting down to like, you know, the nitty gritties. They were two two weeks away from those playoffs. I'll tell you what, if you're not making a playoff run, you it might not be, you know, championship run time for your team. If you have a bad team, it might be avoid the league punishment time. So, <laughs> just because your league just because in your league you're doing bad, you know, don't give up because especially if you have, you know, strict punishment and they enforce it, you know, definitely um make sure you avoid that punishment. And we can help you do that. Just keep listening. We're not going to leave anybody out who isn't, you know, in the playoffs, you know, it goes the whole way. Um just see the season out. It also makes it a lot more fun. You can also play spoiler for some teams too, you know? So just remember that there's a lot that you can do yet, even if you're not in playoff contention right now, it's still fun, you know, watch the games and set your lineup. Uh, it's, it makes it more fun for everybody. So definitely we can help you with that. Keep, keep listening. 100%. Um, Sean in this, in the chat here saying six of us are tied for the last three playoff spots. I feel that, you know, we, and Zach and I are in a couple of leagues like that too, where there's so many people vying for those last few couple spots, but uh, it's fun, man. This is what it's about. Yeah. You know, um, we got a couple pieces of news to get into real quick. Um, the first one, the athletic Zach Rosenblatt believes that running back Zonovan Knight has earned a role in the Jets backfield, regardless of Michael Carter's ankle injury. 
And apparently Robert Sala uh, said that, you know, he was active over James Robinson because his running style fit better with what the Jets wanted in the rushing offense. And that's that one cut run style uh, that you want in a primarily outside zone run scheme. So if you picked him up last night, this is good news. This is what you want. Um, And like I said on Monday and yesterday, you know, I'm a fan of of Knight. Um, You know, I viewed him as a sleeper dynasty running back. Uh, He went undrafted, but I'm glad he's now able to get some opportunity. Yeah, 100%. This is definitely what you want to hear. I'm surprised, you know, I, I feel bad for James Robinson because he goes from one bad situation now, it looks like, to another. Um, I think he's still talented, but he might not even be a factor, you know, at this point with Zombin Knight. If they liked what they saw out of him last week, um, and they're saying this, you know, now coming into the week, heading into the games this weekend, uh, it looks like he's going to be the guy to have in the backfield. Even, I don't want to say over Michael Carter, but he did say that, like regardless of Michael Carter's injury status, you know, he's going to see the field. So he could, you know, make some headway in this backfield. I don't see a clear 1A emerging from this backfield, even though Michael Carter's is there and Zombie Knight look good. Um, but I, I think that it could be a situation where both backs get to see significant time and they could both be relevant any given week. And that's yeah. what we've seen in a lot of backfields this season. I think uh, Michael Carter, you know, doesn't when he's healthy, he he never had the upside to get that 20 carry workload yeah 20 touch workload even right yeah um but you know you know given the fact that Brees hall has been out for a while now and they, the jets haven't committed to him now zonovan knight comes in and they give him a bunch of carries and it, it's one of those situations where zonovan knight does have a higher ceiling than michael carter moving forward and it's because if he does perform well in the run game, then he be, he can become their primary running back. They can, he can become their primary rusher on early downs and be involved in the pass game as well. As we talked about, you know, he could be a good pass catcher too. So I have him ranked at the bottom of my top 30 for now this mm-hmm. week at RB29. You know, it's just tough to rank him above a lot of the other running backs, you know, given only two teams are on by this week. You know, tough matchup on the ground against Minnesota. They're giving up only 3.7 yards a carry to running backs. Um, you know, will they be using Ty Johnson a lot? Will James Robinson end up, you know, being part of the rotation this week? Um, but I'll say this. I do think he has a lot of upside. Okay. And if you're looking for like a home run play, I think he's like, he's one of those guys who can provide, you know, a home run play for you if that's what you're looking for. Right. And you know, the other thing to keep in mind, especially with this week starting him, you know, you're looking at his matchup against Minnesota. It looks bad with the 3.7 yards to carry, but they've let running backs go wild in the passing game. And that's kind of where we might see him do a little damage too. We'll see, um, especially if Michael Carter is limited significantly. But Ramondre Stevenson caught nine of 10 catches, 10 passes last week. And then the week before that, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott both had good days. So it's like, there's, it's not to say that this Minnesota defense is like shut down and he's not going to be able to do what he needs to do. I think it's actually a decent matchup, even though that stat does kind of make it sound bad. Um, I, I like Zonovan Knight, definitely moving forward. He has the upside, like you said. I, I'm not sure, like I said, he has extreme upside because Mike White's much better passing. Um, and it looks like Garrett Wilson's going to be a factor, maybe even Elijah Moore. It's going to be a more balanced offense, but he's definitely going to have a chance you know, produce for you. And especially picking him up off the waiver wire, it's extreme value at this point, uh, this late in the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he said that he got some good news this week with his scans, and he plans on playing this week. Uh, no guarantee that he does play, but it looks like he will. He will. Um, you know, I think if he does play, I'm okay starting him as a mid-quarterback, too. And yeah. we're going to get into the rankings soon. Um, you know, if he doesn't go, obviously Jordan Love will get the start. 
I am not really downgrading anybody. If Jordan Love gets to start, like I wouldn't necessarily be downgrading Christian Watson a ton or Aaron Jones or anybody like that. So I, I don't think I will be. It'll be affecting th- the rankings pretty much. No, I, I don't think it would either. I mean, granted, what we saw from Jordan Love was very limited, and you know, Christian Watson, you know, buoyed his production a little bit because you know he caught that pass and took it fifty yards. It wasn't really a deep, deep pass, but um, it doesn't look like it's going to be a problem. I don't think what Aaron Rodgers was doing is much this season, at least is going to be much different from what Jordan Love would do in this offense. So there's not much of a drop-off there, and you're right. I I wouldn't change any of the other rankings if Jordan Love played because the offense is going to remain, I'd say, exactly the same schematically. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into it, man. Let's get into the rankings. Um, at number one, I have Patrick Mahomes against Cincinnati. Um, yep. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, I have him at number two against Tennessee at home. Uh, Josh Allen, I have him at three in New England. Now, I, I think this New England game might be a bit of a lower scoring one. Vegas has this as a 43.5 over under, so not super high scoring. Uh, right. Kirk Cousins looked fine against the Patriots last week, right? But Mm-hmm. You know, Hertz is rushing upside and the fact that his receivers and I'm comparing, you know, Hertz and or Josh Allen, whether who should ha- have ranked above the other, uh, just like Hertz is rushing upside, man. Like and the fact that his receivers have pretty solid matchups against Tennessee, you know, hopefully A.J. Brown isn't throwing up so hard before the game <laughs> that he ruptures <laughs> a blood vessel in his eye like yeah. last week. I don't know if you guys have seen that picture of him in the locker room. With that, with that blood vessel just like straight up, he's like bloodshot. His whole eye is just red. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, Jalen Hurts is at home, you know, but it's close. Like, I think I lean Hurts by a hair over Josh Allen this week. I would definitely, and we know that you know the Patriots got carved up by Kirk Cousins in prime time of all people. You know that was really weird because the Patriots defense had looked stout before that. I- I'm not going to say that that's going to continue this week um, with Josh Allen. Obviously, Josh Allen is capable of that. But it does seem like he's still missing a couple of throws because of that injury he has to his elbow. So it's not obviously affecting him too much to the point where he's not fantasy relevant, but it could be a factor. You don't want to, you know, just dumb it down to that. But Jalen Hurts, I think, is a much safer floor at this point. And the matchup isn't as bad, even though Tennessee is a good defense. Um, I think you should be able to get it done throwing, like you said, as long as A.J. Brown isn't throwing up, you know, everything inside of him. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but it, the offense in Philly is just so good. The rushing upside, I'd argue, is better than Josh Allen. Josh Allen does run a lot, but Jalen Hurts just has, you know, extreme rushing upside. I think that puts him above Josh Allen at this point. And Patrick Mahomes against Cincinnati, (laughs) that's a no-brainer top matchup. You know, it's just going to be another shootout. We've seen this matchup, I think, twice now in three years. Is that what it was? And this is going to be the third time in three years. So 
you know, I love seeing that matchup. It's great for fantasy. I, there should be no problems with Patrick Mahomes moving forward. He's on a streak, I think, right now, 325 yards, 325-plus pass yards in six straight games. I don't think that's going to you know, wow. be broken this week. Unbelievable. And that's yeah. why we have Joe Burrow at four, because of that matchup and the high-scoring game. And mm-hmm. he's going to have Jamar Chase back. So, you know, the Do you ceiling... remember what Jamar Chase did the last time they played? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And, like, what, he had three touchdowns? In that game, I think, right? I think that's I think what it was. It was I'm pulling touchdowns. it up right now. Yeah. Okay, please do. So against but Kansas City, let's see. Burrow, his ceiling of overall QB one, you know, any given week goes up now with Jamar yep. Chase back. You know, especially in this matchup against the Chiefs. I'd say he has overall QB one upside right now. Like, yeah, he could easily finish as a quarterback one on the week. Um, but yeah, if you remember what Jamar Chase did last time he played the Chiefs, uh, fifty-five point six PPR points. On 12 targets, he had 11 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns. I'm not saying it's going to be that again, but it's definitely going to be a good game. That's the way he rolls uh, against the Chiefs. He's My going to goodness. do very well. That that's that's a lot of fantasy points. It right is there. a lot of fantasy points. If I'm not My mistaken, God. I think that was the most fantasy points of any player in a single game last season. And I'm not, like we said, we're not saying that's going to happen again. But this matchup going to happen very good for fantasy football. You it's know, going to so. happen. Get your popcorn ready. It's another four o'clock game. That's what that's when it was nice. last time. So if you're into any nuance like that, any like details, minute details that can influence a matchup, it's at four, just like it was last time um, when these two teams played. Hey man, like, are you? I, I know this has nothing to do with this, but the Jets play at, at one o'clock. I think. Like, yeah. I want to see this game in prime time. Jets Vikings. I feel like it's going to be a good game. It I could be. I, like, mean, I just I have a feeling like these are two good teams. You know. Um, I just feel like this is going to be a good one, man. Well, I, I don't know. If you if you remember two weeks ago, they two or three weeks ago, I forget what it was, three weeks ago, they had the Bills and the Vikings as a one o'clock kickoff, which made no sense. I, I don't understand what that was. Like, you think they'd flex that? I know they have like yeah. restrictions where they can't, can't flex it. Yeah, that's point. what it is. And as, if you play on the East Coast, you know, usually you're playing uh, at one o'clock, you know, yeah. pretty much. Like, if the game's in the East Coast, usually it's at one, unless it's a primetime game. Yeah. yeah. But, for primetime, you talk about seeing the Jets and the Vikings. I'd like to see them in primetime too. Flex Dallas and Indianapolis out. Put them as a one o'clock game. Who cares? Like exactly. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to jinx my Cowboys, but it should be a game that they're going to win pretty handily. So I think there's a much better matchup to be in the primetime slot. But they left it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right, I got Herbert at five against Vegas. Uh, no word on whether Mike Williams is going to be back this week or not. But I think regardless, I'm going to have him here at five. Yeah. Um, and then Hon- Justin, uh, go ahead. Honestly, with Justin Herbert, it hasn't mattered if Mike Williams is there. We saw Justin yeah. Herbert with just Mike Williams, and he's not at all close to what he is with just Keenan Allen. You know, obviously, Keenan Allen, True. Um, Josh Palmer's playing, and, you know, DeAndre Carter, they've all been contributing. But with Keenan Allen, he looks like a different quarterback. And I called this a couple of weeks ago. I said, buy Justin Herbert before, you know, his receivers start coming back. And right now, he has Keenan Allen, and he looks like Justin Herbert that we come to know and love that we had seen two seasons before put up 20 points and 28 points in back-to-back weeks, and he's got more good matchups coming up, one against the Raiders, and then I forget who they play after that, if I could pull it up quickly. We have, after that, it's, it's Miami and then Tennessee. Like, come on. That's these great. are excellent matchups for Justin Herbert. So, can't say I didn't see this coming. He's looked really good, you know, these past few weeks, and I expect that to continue. I think we're going to start seeing him more often ranked in the top five than not these next few yeah. weeks. Yeah, and, and, and it depends on Justin Fields and, and what his status is going to be. I have him yeah. at six this week, um, assuming that he plays, right, um, at home against Green Bay. He just lost Darnell Mooney for the year. You know, that's a big loss, in my opinion. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still has the legs. You know, he can still get it done for you. Uh, I, I don't have as much confidence in him this week uh, if he plays like I did a few weeks ago, you know, before the shoulder injury, before losing Darnell Mooney, you know. But I want to see him do it. You know, uh, let's yeah. see how he rolls and whether they limit him, whether they, you know, limit the design rushes because of that shoulder injury. Who knows? Is he going to wear a harness? I would assume he he is because it's on that left side, you know. So I'm very curious to see how Fields is going to do. Hopefully he does play. I hope that he plays, you know, just for fantasy purposes, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if they held him out and just took Erd on the side of caution these next few weeks because the season's obviously out of reach. Any type of outcome that's going to be playoffs, it's not even in the realm of possibility with the Bears. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of limited him. I'm worried that, you know, this injury is going to affect his rushing upside. Obviously, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles just shoved it down the Packers' throat with 363 rush yards last week. So we've seen what a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts could probably do. Um, but I don't think that those design rushes are going to be as often. Like he had, I forget how many attempts in a row. In the past in the past three games that he's played, he had 18 attempts, 13 attempts, 15 attempts. We're not going to see that, I don't think, at this point because of his shoulder injury. Even if he comes back and he's 90%, I think he's going to be a little bit more leery of running the ball um, and he's got to rely on his arm. And then now you're missing Darnell Mooney, you're right. I think that his legs and what we've seen from him doing with his legs is weren't it warrants him being up here at six, but this might be a ceiling ranking just with the way the injury is going into this week. I'm not saying it can't get better. I'm saying in the next few weeks he might be able to get back to that top five, but right now this week I temper expectations with Justin Fields. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I have Lamar Jackson at seven in a tough matchup against Denver at home. Um, you know, I guess if Sam Darnold can do it, he can, but, (laughs) but you know, the the Ravens, you know, they need to rely on the ground game this week. Right. And, you know, they need to get it done that way. Like whether it's a lot of Gus Edwards and a a lot of Lamar, I feel like that's what they're going to have to do in order to have some production. I mean, Baltimore is going to win this game, but how close is it going to be? Are they going to be able to get it done uh, through the air against Denver? I, I, I don't see that, you know, Mark Andrews might be able to have a good game here, but if I was Denver, I would just be like doubling, doubling him all game long. Um, and that's kind of why Mark Andrews hasn't, you know, popped off because that's really all Lamar has had yeah. uh, lately. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about, you know. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling about Lamar this week, man? Because I have Geno Smith at eight against the Rams, right? Andy Dalton right. got it done against the Rams two weeks ago. So, you know, Geno will be fine, you know, and Geno might be safer than Lamar. But, you know, Lamar has the rushing upside. He can get it done too. That's why I had Lamar at seven. And yeah. Gino at eight. You can't rank Lamar any lower, I think, than seven at this yeah. point, just because of his rushing upside, even though it has been a bit diluted compared to what we've seen in the past. You know, the rushing upside still stands to, you know, make his production a lot better than it would be with any other quarterback. The thing that kind of sticks out to me is he scored nine total touchdowns in the last and eight total touchdowns in the last seven weeks which is like not Lamar-type numbers. And it's really upsetting because he hasn't had bad fantasy output, and that speaks to what his rushing volume can do for him as a quarterback in fantasy, you know? So it'll keep him relevant, but the touchdowns haven't been there, and we've seen that. You've definitely been feeling it if you've been playing Lamar, that he hasn't had the upside he's had recently. It might be because of a lack of weapons you could say that because, you know, he's throwing to Mark Andrews and who else? I mean, there's not really anybody else on that roster. I'm like, okay, they're going to make a di- they're gonna, going to be a different difference maker on the Ravens or on any other team. He's throwing to yeah. Devin DuVernay. And um, I forget, he, his most recent 
uh, flavor. Marcus of the week. Robinson had like one catch last week. Yeah, the flavor <laughs> of the week this past week against the Jaguars was Josh Oliver. Is that who that yeah. tight end was? Yeah, it Josh kept, Oliver. He looked like Mark Andrews, you know, running around out there. You're like, oh, Mark <laughs> Andrews going for a touchdown and catches a pass. No, Josh oh, Oliver. Man. So he came out of nowhere. It's just been, you know, a throw together group at wide receiver for the Ravens. And I think Lamar is suffering from that. He's doing his best, but we might have to lower expectations for Lamar the rest of the season because the offense, there's just no weapons. There's not really any punch to it besides Lamar. And if they can just dial in on Lamar defenses, you know, he's great when you have other weapons to do it. But if you could dial in on Lamar, it's kind of been proven that his production is going to suffer because of it. Yeah, man, it it does suck because a lot of people did, did draft him to have that ridiculous, you know, overall QB1 upside. And we haven't seen that in a while. We haven't seen it since week two and three. I mean, outside yeah. of that, every other game, I think he's averaging probably 16 points a game, which still, you know, with the amount of touchdowns that he's scoring being so low, you know, the rushing up, it's like, like I said, it speaks to the rushing upside that he has. So you can't rank him very low, but the upside is capped right now. I have Trevor Lawrence ranked at number nine this week, kind of high. But he's going up against Detroit, who has given up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. I think he has some rushing upside this week, too. Aaron Rodgers had 40 rushing yards against them a few weeks ago. (laughs) Uh, Fields had that 147-yard game, right? Daniel Jones had a 50-yard game against them. Josh Allen, 78 yards. Uh, And before the bye, Lawrence had a 53-yard game, a 26-yard game on the ground. Um, He hasn't thrown a pick since week eight against Denver. You know, he threw for 321 yards and three touchdowns last week against Baltimore, which was super impressive. That was one of his best games I've ever seen from him. And Mm -hmm. this game this week against the Lions is going to be a very high-scoring game. Preciser has this game at a 50-point total. They have it ending, you know, in a one-point game. So, uh, again, like we said before, high-scoring games, close games, that's what we want for, you know, good fantasy outputs. Yeah, definitely. Trevor Lawrence looks so Good. It's so weird saying that because he hasn't been in his career, but he looked so good last week against the Ravens. And he could definitely build on this. Going from the Ravens to the Lions offense defense, you know, I think he's in line for a big day. He's clearly he trusts his receivers. The offense is getting better. If Travis Etienne's in the backfield, I think it gets even better, even though Jermichael Hasty was doing his thing. The offense overall has looked pretty good. Trevor Lawrence is having a promising season, you know, which is really all you could really ask for after that rookie season that was terrible with Urban Meyer. So many yeah. explanations and things that went wrong. You know, it looks like they're finding stability. And the play calling is also helping. You know, Doug Peterson, he's aggressive. And it looks like, you know, obviously that two-point conversion, you can make an argument that anybody would have maybe gone for that. But Doug Peterson, you know, he's putting the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands and letting him do his thing, which is what you want, especially from your fantasy quarterback. Um, you can start him as a QB2 this week and be really happy. He has super high upside. Um, and if you need him as a QB1, he'll be fine in this matchup because it's Detroit. I think it'll be another high-scoring game. Yeah, I, I mean, I have him ranked as my QB nine this week, so I have I have him ranked over Dak Prescott. You know, I have him at ten against yeah. Indy this week. You know, he's been solid. You know, ever since he's been back. Um, you know, I have Tua at eleven. He's going against San Francisco, um, so that's why I have him down a bit from Tua's usual usual spot around six or seven. Right, yeah. tough matchup, but at the end of the day, I'm okay starting Tua. Like, I'm not just going out of my way to bench him this week. He can have a good week any given week because of the weapons that he has, right? I think I still think he has a high floor, um, but it's a tough matchup this week. So the, I, I don't think the ceiling is going to be quite there. Yeah, I, it might not quite be there, but you never know because these games tend to get, you know, messy fast in terms of scoring. It looks like 
it's a superpower on defense with the 49ers versus superpower on offense with the Dolphins. And you figure something's got to give. I would give the edge a little bit to the offense here. Uh, but I don't think the 49ers have faced anything like the Dolphins have in a few weeks. And that is kind of evidence. It's impressive. They haven't allowed a second half point in the last four weeks on defense. But this is a different animal with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And Tua is yeah, a very sure. good passer. He might not be like in terms of talent, he might not have the arm talent, Justin Herbert or the legs of Lamar, but he's a very high quality quarterback. He's going to be able to get it done. He's been good for you in fantasy too. I don't think the, the matchup hurts a little bit, but it's not to the point where I wouldn't trust starting him. If he was my QB one, the past few weeks, I'd throw him back in there. I wouldn't consider, even though Mike White's right there and he looks good Deshaun Watson has a good matchup. I would still leave Tua in because this, these types of games that are high stakes, you know, look good on paper. Um, and look good, you know, as far as matchup quality. Obviously, got two very good record teams. They're kind of the games where teams kind of tend to pop off. So I, I think that Tua can get it done for you this week. I wouldn't be too worried about him, but I wouldn't be surprised either if his upside was limited. Would you start him over Dak, Trevor, Gino? I would maybe start him. I'd maybe start him over Trevor Lawrence. See, I'm, I, I'm not, I, I might be a little biased about Dak. I feel like he can have a good game, but I think if you look at, the matchup Dak is just a little bit better. Um, I would start. Okay, so my rankings would go Tua, Dak, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence would still be a QB one for me, but it would be Tua at eight, Dak at. Nine. I'm, not, I'm not Tua at nine, I'm, Dak at ten. I'm not mad at that at all. Um, yeah. And then I have Mike White at number twelve against Minnesota. You know, then Deshaun Watson at thirteen, right? So White is going up against Minnesota this week. Minnesota has been really bad through the air uh, yeah. quarterbacks have averaged 292 passing yards against them over the last five weeks. I think Minnesota scores, you know, I think, you know, they get some points up despite a tough jets defense. And I think Mike white can get it done again this week. And I think it might be a little crazy to rank him above Deshaun Watson, but we just haven't seen Watson play in a long time. And it's his first week back. You know, I get that it's a revenge game in Houston, a lot of emotions. I'm sure. But, you know, Houston has given up the third least fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. So, you know, between the two guys, give me Mike White. I, w I would agree with you. And, you know, we talked about Deshaun Watson. We know what he can be because we've seen it when he was on the field. It feels like it was forever ago because it was forever ago the last time he was on the field. But he's on a good offense and it's a really bad defense. But you still have to temper expectations because I figure there is a lot of rust that has to be knocked off, you know, for Deshaun Watson. And like I said yesterday on the podcast, this is the team you want to go against if you're going to be knocking off the rust. I think that'll be good for Deshaun Watson. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out slow and then, you know, eventually picks it up. The second half might be much better for him than the first half, but this shouldn't be a close game anyway. They have Nick Chubb. They might not have to lean on Deshaun Watson to do a whole lot this game because the Texans' run defense is horrendous. Um, so I think Mike White, having Mike White over him against a Vikings defense that has allowed, what is it, 40 plus 26, 66 points, you know, tons of yardage, just a bad de passing defense in Minnesota. I think it makes sense to have Mike White over him. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Derek Carr at 14 against the Chargers. I have Tom Brady at 15 against New Orleans. Jimmy G at 16 against Miami. Uh, I was kind of disappointed in the 49ers offense last week against New Orleans. You know, they had a couple of good matchups that they could have taken, taken advantage of, and they didn't. Um, Jimmy G didn't look great last week. No. Um, but hopefully the Saints, they can get it, uh, get it right this week. The Saints defense isn't that bad. The team no, no, they're not. Bad. But the Saints are a, yeah. they're a tough matchup. Yeah, um, there have been quarterbacks that have done pretty well against them, and I feel like with all the offensive firepower that the 49ers had, 
I kind of feel like they should have, you know, had a better game on offense. But you're right. I mean, there are some key playmakers on that Saints defense that made it hard for Jimmy last week, no doubt. But like you said, you know, if you like Tua this week against San Francisco, or at least, you know, you don't hate him this week yeah. against San Francisco, then, you know, maybe this ends up being a high-scoring game and then Jimmy G has to air it out a little bit. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes the case. I don't think as good as the 49ers defense is they're going to be able to hold Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Tua out of the end zone, you know, like they have to other teams in the past few weeks. And the 49ers offense we know is capable of getting it done. We saw it, was it two weeks ago in Mexico City? You know, against the Cardinals. And granted, they were pretty banged up coming into that game, but they look good. And we saw what they can do when they're firing on all cylinders. That's going to be required against the Dolphins, I think. Um, even if it isn't like 40-40, you know, a 27-24 game, you're going to have to have the offense clicking. So I, I think that could definitely happen this week. And Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a big reason why if they're scoring high. So I don't hate Jimmy Garoppolo this week. I, I do agree having him ranked here as a mid QB2. I don't think his upside's fantastic just because of the way that this offense runs. And especially if it runs through Christian McCaffrey, we'll see how that goes. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not going to be asked to do too much. He's efficient and he's a game manager. He's right about where he should be, you know, every week. He doesn't have upside like other guys. This uh, Vegas has this game at a 46 and a half over under. You taking the over on this one? I I want to take the over on this one because, like I said, two heavyweight teams, I don't see it going poorly in the scoring department. <laughs> what time is this game? I want to know. I think has it been flexed or no? It's some good four o'clock games this week. Eh, Seahawks, cool. Rams, nah. Yeah, no. the, the, the main slate that you're looking at is Miami and San Francisco and then Kansas City and Cincinnati. Right. Okay. So at least we have two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that's awesome. All right. Let's see. Aaron Rodgers, I have him at 17. We talked about him earlier. Kirk Cousins at 18. This might be too low for Cousins. Uh, you know, but the Jets, you know, they have a tough defense. He's been solid most weeks. He did really good against New England last week. Uh, but the Jets, I think they might give him more problems than New England gave him last week. Are you starting Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G, Tom Brady, Derek Carr this week? I feel like I would. Everybody except for Derek Carr. And it's funny because we crap on Derek Carr a lot on this podcast. But I would, <laughs> I would put Derek Carr at 14, shift Kirk Cousins to 15, and leave Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Aaron Rodgers intact. I, I think that Kirk Cousins is good enough. He's been consistent enough to where I don't have to worry about him putting up a dud. The only two duds that he's had this season were against Dallas and Philly when they got smoked. I don't think they're getting smoked by the Jets. So you should be good with, with Kirk Cousins. He has the upside, too. He just did it. He did his thing in prime time, you know, against a good Patriots defense. So maybe he rides that momentum against another AFC East opponent, opponent and he does well against the Jets. I'm not saying it's going to be as high scoring as it was last week, but I think he should be able to get done for you this week, at least better than I think Tom Brady will fare. Tom Brady historically has been bad against the Saints, you know, since he's joined the Buccaneers. And then Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers we talked about. Yeah. Now, do you think Aaron Rodgers, are you not starting him over Kirk Cousins? The matchup is fine. Yeah, but you're not starting him over Aaron Rod Kirk Cousins because of the injury. Um, I don't want to say it's because of an injury. I just think that this offense is kind of, eh. You know, and it looked yeah. all right against the Eagles, but Chicago, it's it's. I mean, he is Chicago's daddy. He is. Yeah, he owns them still, right? In his own words, we'll say that. I just think Kirk Cousins with the Kirk Cousins has much better playmakers around him, right? And Aaron Rodgers, he does have Christian Watson, and he's looked better. You know. Definitely Aaron Rodgers has with Christian Watson, you know, kind of emerging as a wide receiver one. But 
Kirk Cousins has Justin Jefferson. He has Adam Thielen. Guys that you can throw through. TJ Hawkinson. I think the supporting cast is better. And, you know, the script for the Vikings game is a little bit better, too. Um, it's two good teams, Jets, Vikings, and then two bad teams between Chicago and Green Bay. Okay, perfect. And then we have Jared Goff to round it out at 19 against Jacksonville. Don't sleep on Jared Goff this week. He could put up some numbers today, especially in what could be a high-scoring game like we talked about uh, yeah. against Jacksonville. And then I have Daniel Jones at 20 against Washington. Yeah, Jared Goff didn't look bad on Thanksgiving. If you watch the game, he was, he was throwing some nice passes, and it came down oh, yeah. to Amon Am- St. Brown doing his thing, and he did. Oh, yeah. And Amon oh, yeah. St. Brown, he, he's looking like he did last season this time of year, so maybe, you know, I yep. know you were happy with his a, performance then. And he has a pretty good matchup out of the slot this week against Jacksonville. Yeah, more on okay. him tomorrow. <laughs> yes, sir. More on him tomorrow. The rank wide receiver and tight end ranking show is tomorrow. All right, let's get into running backs. Let's do it. Uh, Nick Chubb against Houston at number one. I feel like I'm obligated to put him at one against Houston, right? Yeah. Like they have allowed the most rushing yards to running backs this year. They've, they're allowing over five yards per carry to running backs there. They've allowed the third most rushing attempts against them over the last four weeks and the second most rushing attempts against them this season. So Nick Chubb mm-hmm. can run all over this team. No brain. You know, this is definitely a slam dunk start. And because we're saying this, he's going to do bad, but I, I actually think that's going to happen. No, he, he'll be fine. Happens. He's going to have <laughs> he's going to have a good game against Houston. And like I said, you know, now that I talk about it a little bit on the podcast, I'm convincing myself a little bit more that they might lean on the run game with Deshaun Watson coming back. They might not want to put too much on Deshaun Watson in this matchup. Not that he has too much to worry about because Houston's a bad team, but if they want to just integrate him into the system, you know, get him comfortable, it, they might lean on the run game a little bit more than usual, and that yeah. could be huge for Nick Chubb in a matchup this good. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. And, um, you know, like, I, I don't think they want him in the headlines, like, at all this week. No. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> like, just they're going to tell him to go out in the field, just keep your head low, you know, yep. they'll put him out in, like, a, just, like, a mask, maybe. I don't know, so nobody sees him. <laughs> Did you see the report they're having some of his accusers at the game? Like, that's just wild. I, I can't believe I think, that. I, I didn't see that report, but I was thinking about it. I was like, maybe he doesn't make it to the game. Like, maybe, like, they, they're just blocking the entrance. Like, when he's, yeah. like, on his way back, like, the protesters don't, like, just get into the street and, like, don't allow his car to pass. And yeah. then he's just, like, and it's over. It's like, all right, well, I guess we're getting another Jacoby Brissett start. Uh, <laughs> well, the thing, it's funny going from Jacoby Brissett, a guy that's, like, so likable. And, you know, all the Browns fans, are, you know, giving him his roses, patting him on the back because, you know, they're yeah. getting Deshaun Watson in as a playmaker. But Deshaun Watson, he's going to be hard to root for. He's got a lot of work to do to clean up, you know, his PR, it's even true. though it's been a while. Um, we know the type of player Deshaun Watson is. It's just we have to see you know, that he can stay on the field and not do anything wrong. Obviously, what he did or what he's alleged to do, I don't know. Did they ever prove anything? I have no idea. Like, I don't it's know. Just, it's just a fiasco. But it's just, it's tough, a lot harder to root for Deshaun Watson, I think, as an outside of the Browns fan community person, you know? But we'll, we'll see. I agree. All right. So uh, then, you know, Josh Jacobs, like, <laughs> like, it's like, oh, wait, Josh Jacobs is not number one. So if you're wondering where Josh Jacobs is, he's at number two this week. And I don't know how... You know, I don't keep riding the hot hand here, like with Josh Jacobs against the Chargers. Mm. It's like, who do you put first, Chubb or Jacobs this week against two amazingly terrible rushing defenses? <laughs> but the Chargers yeah. have been the worst over the last four weeks in terms of yards given up to running backs. Uh, you know, Jacobs is dealing with that calf injury. You know, it seemed perfectly fine on that 80-yard, you know, game-winning touchdown, you know, in yep. overtime last week. He likely won't practice all week. You know, I'd assume he'll play. You know, if you, mm-hmm. you might want to pick up Zamir White just in case he doesn't play. But 
you really want him to play this week against the Chargers after he just had 300 total yards from scrimmage last week. Yeah, absolutely. And I just have to bring this up because I was thinking about it watching the, what's called Josh Jacobs play last week. Do you remember when he was off? He was on the field in the preseason and the panic that was surrounding his name with Josh Jacobs and fantasy. Everyone was like, <laughs> what is he doing on the field? Why is Amir White? You know, like, what's Amir White doing? We're going to have Amir yeah. White playing this week. He, he's put everything to rest with that. I just remember that. I think it's funny that we had that kind of thing um, going on earlier in the season. And the first three weeks would have told you that it was going to be a bad season, but he had three good weeks. Then after that, cooled down a little bit. He's back on that hot streak and he's back to getting that workload that we saw him get on that hot streak earlier in the season. And 29 opportunities in week 10. And he had 28 opportunities in week 11. And then now it was 40 opportunities last week that he turned into 300 scrimmage yards. It seems like there's a bit of a theme here. If they give him the ball, good things happen. That's going to continue now at this point, especially you know, with the way the offense has been playing. They've been in a bit more of a groove. They've looked a lot better these past few weeks. Um, and this matchup is perfect for Josh Jacobs. So you just have to hope that this injury isn't an issue. And then you can lock him in for the rest of the season and to end this week especially. And then after after these two guys, we have the top five mainstays like Austin Eckler. We have him at three against Vegas. Derrick Henry at four against Philly. The Eagles have given up the 10th most fantasy points to running backs this year at this quietly. point. Quietly. Yeah. Yeah, quietly. Exactly. So, you know, he's going to be just fine. Um, Mondrick Stevenson. I've met yeah. five against Buffalo. Damian Harris is banged up again. Right. And Stevenson is looking like a league winner right now. Like he's been the most consistent running back all season, right? Following week two, he has not had one bad game in PPR yeah. leagues. Uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't score last week and still had 20 PPR fantasy points. He's only behind Eckler and McCaffrey in running back receptions this year. Yeah. He's you talk- he he's matchup proof, dude. You yeah. Know? So just keep rolling him out as a RB1, especially in games without Damian Harris, who might miss this week. Yeah, you want to talk about consistency. His finishes since week two, he said, RB8, RB22, okay. RB14, RB2, RB5, RB10, RB9, RB14, RB8. That's just extreme efficiency. And he's had a good ceiling, too. It's not like he's doing that and, you know, oh, he's scoring 15, 16 points every week. He more often than not has scored 20 points on this stretch of, you know, excellent consistency. And he hasn't been doing a whole lot of touchdown scoring either. So this is a touchdown-dependent production. This has a chance to get better. And with the Patriots in contention, you know, it's looking like it's going to be a wild card spot for them fighting to get into the playoffs. You know, they could be in some games that are close, tight, and that could result in some touchdowns. That regression could be coming. In the past five weeks, four weeks, sorry, he had a bye week. Past four weeks, he has one touchdown, and that was receiving. I think that's going to change at some point here soon. And we've had this type of discussion with the touchdown regression with other players, and we've kind of seen it come in bunches. So, I keep firing up Ramondre Stevenson. I think having him at five might scare a little people off. They may be like, well, what about Travis Etienne and Christian McCaffrey? No, I think that Ramondre Stevenson, he has upside that is untapped. And he's been fantastic still to this point. And he literally has the highest floor of any running back right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, it's a very high floor. Can you name one, like maybe Austin Eckler, maybe? But I feel like Stevenson has a higher floor than him, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I, maybe the floor isn't, isn't higher. It's much more secure. I think. Yeah. Because this offense relies on Ramondre Stevenson, clearly. And obviously, Definitely. Austin Eckler is a big part of Chargers offense, but they have Keenan on now. You know, they have other receivers that can get done. And Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's much different than Mac Jones. Mac yeah. Jones is going to need help, and Ramondre Stevenson is giving him that. So I'd say that Ramondre Stevenson's floor is more secure. Austin Eckler's is still a little bit higher, but Ramondre Stevenson's floor has been excellent this season. 
Uh, I have Travis Etienne at six, assuming that he plays up against the Lions. Good matchup, high scoring matchup, you know. So I like him this week. Hopefully that foot injury doesn't slow him down and he can play just fine. It seems like all signs are pointing towards him being okay. So I, yeah. I'm starting him just like normal. Like unless something comes out where before the game, you know, they're seriously questioning his status. I, I'm just assuming he's playing. Like I'm disregarding any type of injury. And you just want to forget last week's performance. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Christian McCaffrey at seven this week. We have no idea what the workload is going to look like this mm-hmm. week for him. You know, without Elijah Mitchell, it could be up. It could be the same or down, you know, given the knee irritation that he has. Um, but, you know, given the fact that it's just irritation, like there's still a chance that he plays a big role. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, on the podcast yesterday, we talked about Jordan Mason. And on Monday, too, we talked about Jordan Mason potentially being the back uh, to get behind McCaffrey. Uh, but Tyrion Davis Price is healthy now. He had that high ankle sprain earlier in the season, and he's been inactive uh, lately because he doesn't play special teams, and Mason does. So it's very possible that TDP is active going forward and is the primary running back behind McCaffrey like he was the primary running back behind Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson earlier in the season. Yeah, that, that's definitely a possibility. And if I'm the 49ers and I'm looking to make a playoff run, obviously this next game against Miami is important. But I would take it easy with Christian McCaffrey. I'm tempering yeah. expectations this week. And I said about it yesterday, it's not this week, next week, that I think I would start putting our, Christian McCaffrey back at the overall RB1, you know, where he could be um, just because of that injury. You know, it might take a little time. I think they got to take it easy with him. Let him get clear of it because he's obviously had injury history that isn't appealing for any circumstance, fantasy or just real life. So Christian McCaffrey this week, temper expectations. But I think moving forward, as long as nothing happens, he doesn't suffer any setbacks during the game that we'll see RB1 Christian McCaffrey the rest of the way after this week. But this week, definitely temper expectations, even though it is a pretty good matchup. It is. And Jonathan Taylor, we have him at eight, three straight games of 20 or more carries, at least 80 rushing yards and a touchdown in each of the last three games as well. And the Cowboys, they've given up 4.5 yards per carry this year and 4.8 yards per carry over the last four weeks. Yeah. So this is a pretty manageable game for Taylor. Um, you know, if the Cowboys end up going up in this game fast, the hope is that he had the same role he did two of the last three weeks uh, where he was the every down back and he gets some targets and receptions out of that and, you know, that he doesn't get phased out. And if he had the same role he did last week, we don't have to worry about that. And it would actually increase his upside. Yeah, since Jeff Saturday's been coach, and I don't want to attribute it all to this, Jonathan Taylor has had a much better workload than he had prior to Jeff Saturday being a coach. So that's one thing. He's going to get his work regardless. Um, I think this is going to be heavily featuring Jonathan Taylor, this Colts offense, you know, this coming week against Dallas. Because Matt Ryan, (laughs) if you watch him running around in that that pocket against TJ Watt and the... If you call it running around. Yeah, running around. He is so slow. And it... What do you expect from Matt Ryan? You know, he's aging. He, he was never mobile, a, mo- a mobile quarterback in the first place. But with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence chasing him around, Oof. he's not going to be able to get anything done. They can't drop him back more than 30 times this game and expect to win. You know, it's going to be a game that features. JT Jonathan has Taylor. to be involved in the pass game, right? Yeah. Like in this one. In, in all aspects of the game, the run game and the pass game. He's their best playmaker on offense. Michael Pittman is a close second, but he just doesn't get used for some reason. He had an okay game last week. But. You know, Jonathan Taylor has to be the focal point of this offense. And he can do some damage against, like you said, this kind of shoddy Cowboys run defense. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Paris Campbell needs to get involved again, too, you know, because of the fact that, you know, he runs those short routes and 
he needs to be hit quick, you know, like with that pass rush coming this week. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. We'll we'll, we'll see uh, how they end up working that out. But Taylor's usage, you know, it's a big sigh of relief from what, yeah. you know, where we were, you know, several weeks ago with Jonathan Taylor. But at number nine, we have Joe Mixon. He should, you know, be back this week from the concussion, you know, against Kansas City, high scoring game, solid RB1 this week. Uh, Kenneth Walker, have him at 10. He hasn't been getting the production on the ground, but he's on a good offense. And because of that, he's had a nose for the end zone. He scored nine touchdowns in his last seven games. So I'm going to just continue to start him and hope that continues. Yeah, with Kenneth Walker, I don't think you have anything to worry about. (laughs) It looked like it was going to be a huge day last week because in the first 30 seconds of the game, Kenneth Walker had a touchdown, and that was after the Raiders had, quote-unquote, possessed the ball. So it looked like it was going to be a big game, but it really didn't amount to much. What was his output? I think it wasn't anything really impressive at all. Yeah, two touchdowns, uh, but he couldn't get anything going on the ground at all. Two touchdowns, 26 yards on 14 carries. That's pretty bad. I don't expect that to continue. I don't think that's going to keep happening. And it's funny because the week before that, he also had a bad game on the ground against the Buccaneers, um, 17 carries on 10 yards. So kind of – it's a worrisome trend. I don't think that's going to continue happening. We know who Kenneth Walker is as a runner. Um, and he should get a little bit more passing work than he did last week, too. He only had one target. He caught it and took it for 13 yards. It was a weird game overall in a high-scoring game. I expect him to have more points. But, you know, he got it done for you regardless. Uh, against the Rams, they shouldn't have any trouble moving the ball. Yeah, I'm not worried about the 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 matchup itself. Like the Rams, yeah. you know, yards per carry base, bases, like they're, they're, they're relatively good against running backs. But... They're going to have enough time, you know, they're not going to have an easy time sustaining drives on offense. That means that the Seahawks offense is going to have the ball a lot. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that, you and then what does that mean? If they're up, they're going to run the ball. Um, And then they're going to be able to move the ball through the air, too. Yeah. If you're possessing the ball for a long time and you want to control it, if they're, if, it's bad enough that the Rams are probably not going to have the ball a lot just because of their offense. But with the rent, with the Seahawks getting the ball a lot, the easiest way to control the clock is to run the ball. So they don't even have to be up. You know, they, they can take control of the game just by running it. Kenneth Walker is a very good talent, you know, to the point where you don't have to worry about handing it to him. If you hand it to him 20 times, he's going to do very well for you. I got Aaron Jones at 11. He's been getting it done lately, man. He is, this is And this is a good matchup against Chicago. He's also been playing more lately. Yeah. 70% of snaps, 66%, 71% over the last three weeks. That's what you want to see. You know, even though AJ Dillon had a good game last week, his role didn't change at all. Um, no. So I wouldn't expect AJ Dillon to do anything this week. Uh, you know, this is a good matchup too, but th- he's had good matchups in the past. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about a- that for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is going to continue to do his thing. He had a big week last week and that could continue. Um, and, you know, I have, you know, these guys that I just mentioned over Dalvin and Saquon, uh, mm-hmm. who I have at 12 and 13 respectively, you know, Saquon against Washington, you know, this has honestly been a relatively tough matchup for running backs. And he hasn't looked like himself over the last two weeks since he had that 35-carry game against Houston. Yeah. Um, Dalvin Cook against the Jets, you know, tough matchup for him as well. Would you have Cook higher than Aaron Jones or Kenneth Walker this week? I would only put Dalvin Cook over Aaron Jones just by his name value. I mean, you know, that's that's what it comes down to. Um, the way he's been playing, I think Aaron Jones does deserve to be over him in these rankings. I think I think putting Saquon at 13 might be a little bit disrespectful. I might put him over Aaron Jones at this point underneath Kenneth Walker just because he was still able to get it done last week against Dallas. You know, he had 15 points in PPR. So it, was, it wasn't bad, but it, it wasn't what we've come to expect from him. I mean, you look at what he had 
in terms of points, you know, the weeks before that 35 carry game and that buy, he had 15.2 points, 17.5 points, 18.5 points, 19.6, 18.2. He's had a nice floor, you know, but we, we didn't really see a whole lot of upside besides that first week where he finished as the RB1 um, overall. So I, I think it's a little bit disrespectful to have him this low. I, I would put him in the top 10 definitely. And against Washington, you know, division games tend to get um, – a little bit they could be a little bit messy the washington you know they're good but i I think that saquon barkley can do his thing against washington and he plays washington twice in the next three weeks yeah no he does um yeah i don't know man i don't know i'm not feeling him i mean 15 carries for for 22 yards against the lions 11 carries for 39 yards last week against the uh against the cowboys he's not efficient in the past game you know all year long which is extremely surprising for so, me personally, um, yeah, a, I'm not sure what's going on with Saquon over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do you attribute that to? You know, I like, don't know. I don't it, know. I, I I don't know what to attribute it to. Also, you know, he, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more work over the past couple of weeks too. Like, yeah, you, you know, these that. games were relatively close, right? And I feel like he would have, he should have been more involved, you know, in the run game at least last week. Um, well, okay, and then, yeah, you know what I mean. That's one thing you could look at because the three weeks before the bye and that 35 point, 35 of rush game, he had 22, 24, and 20 carries. So he averaged 22 carries a game. And these past two weeks, he's averaged 13. Um, he's gotten a little bit more work in the receiving game. He has 11 targets over the past two weeks. So that's kind of, you know, kind of evened it out. But I, I don't think that is enough to say that, okay, he's not going to be able to finish inside as an RB1, you know, on a yeah. weekly basis, especially against Washington. I, that's just the yeah, way I feel about it. I, but do you, you know. why like like why do you think Washington is it Washington like a, a supposed to be like a good matchup or something? Because oh, it I'm not looks, calling them a good matchup, but just Washington. They've I think they've looked better these past few weeks than they are, and we'll see right. how they do. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, I I, I get it. The, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons I ranked him below Dalvin Cook and um, Kenneth Walker is because of the offense too, and and that's true. I, I I think in terms of like who has a better chance of getting a goal line touchdown, I'm like all right. I think Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Kenneth Walker, those guys probably have a higher chance of scoring. So that's kind of why I have them there as well. It's so true. it's 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 interesting because I love Saquon. <laughs> Having yeah. him ranked at 13 is disrespectful as hell. <laughs> but it is <laughs> we'll see. It is. We'll see. We'll see what he does. It would be funny if he came out and had like an RB one week. It would also be funny if he came out and did really bad. He could be we'll the say. overall he could be the overall RB one any week. Like, yeah. like yeah. you know. But he's like a wait- great, he's a great contrarian dfs play this week yeah you do mention that his offense though it could be damien pierce syndrome like you said and that's yeah. a, the way you said about that yesterday i'm kind of taking that one for me but that is a true condition that's what we're going to call it from now on when you they have, have no running weapons. back on a bad team yeah there's nobody else i mean i guess defenses if they can key in on saquon and stop him it's like no saquon no offense that's been the story that's the problem um i got tony pollard here at 14 against indy um, he had 20 opportunities last week against the Giants. Quiet game for him, like in terms of production. But you know, 20 opportunities for Tony Pollard, like I'll take that all day long. Yeah. Um. You know, and with Zeke back, you know, he is slightly limited, but the upside is too good to bench right now. Um, his role right now is better than it was earlier in the season when Zeke was healthy. You know, he had yeah. one, he had one week above 50 percent of snaps from weeks one through six. The last two yeah. games with Zeke back, both games he was above 50 percent of snaps. So he has a role. You know, he, there's a good chance that he can out-touch Zeke most weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm all about it. Yes, he might lose that first opportunity at the goal line, but they're not giving all of the goal line opportunities to Zeke. They're going to give some to Pollard. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's kind of what you're hoping for. 
but he always has a big playability. So it's really, really hard for me to have Pollard on my bench any given week right now. Tony Pollard, you know, he has the talent. We know we've seen what he can do. But, like, this is the first time that he's gotten a full workload, I think what we'd call, and he hasn't done well. The, yeah. the first, the past three weeks before that, he's gotten his full workload, quote-unquote, and he's done fantastic. 33-21-36 PPR fantasy points the past three weeks that he's played before this last eight-point performance. The role has not changed. And this kind of goes back to what we say a lot with receivers and getting targets, you know. 20 opportunities for him isn't they're not going to lower that it might go to 15 or 16 but it's not going to be significant to where he gets like oh he had an eight point fantasy game you know we're going to give him eight touches you know no that's not how it's going to be tony pollard's going to continue to be a big part of this offense and it's a better matchup the giants are quietly a better the a matchup for the for running backs you know i'm not better in terms of their ability to stop them i should say but um I have no worries about Tony Pollard moving forward. He's much more dynamic than Zeke still at this point. And Zeke might get the goal line carries, but Tony Pollard gets red zone carries a lot. You know, if it's not on the yeah. goal line, he when they're close and they're in the red zone, he, he gets carries there too um, because he can hit it in from 10, 10 yards out easy. Yeah, and when he's on the field, the defenses don't know what they're going to run. Like when Zeke yeah. is in the backfield, it's like, all right, well, they're probably going to run the ball, right? Yeah. So and, and like now with Pollard in the backfield, it makes their offense so much more dynamic. So that makes a lot of sense to – have them on the field when they're on like the 17 yard line, you know, or the 10 Correct. yard line. Yeah. Um, I have Jamal Williams at 15. Can't leave his touchdown upside on the bench. It's really hard to, you mm-hmm. know, against Jacksonville, high scoring game, like we mentioned multiple times. Like, I want him in my lineup this week. Yeah. He, he's just kind of been like an auto start, which is funny because, you know, you have DeAndre Swift in that same backfield and the offense, it's been good, but not great. They still have him I'm on Ross St. Brown and he's just continues to score touchdowns. He did a funny thing these past few weeks where he scored one touchdown, three touchdown, one touchdown, where he used to score just two touchdowns or no touchdowns. That's it. <laughs> um, but, you know, the touchdown upside, I think, is there. He's going to score touchdowns. Like, that's just a fact of life now. I think he's tied. He has as many touchdowns this season with the Lions as he had his whole career with the Packers. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're going to keep using him that way. And you can't leave that on the bench because it doesn't no. matter if he has 40 yards rushing. If he has two touchdowns, you're going to do fine. If he has one touchdown, you're going to do fine. Because he could catch a pass here or there. Um, the last few weeks, he's had zero targets. But, um, you know, he, he's definitely the lead back in the Lions' backfield. And he's not a bad back. This isn't a volume thing. This is him being also just talented. David Montgomery, I have him at 16 against Green Bay uh, ahead of Alvin Kamara. You know, Kamara yeah. has really been letting us down lately. He's had some tough matchups. This is, you know, this one against Tampa is relatively tough too. But Montgomery has a great matchup this week against Green Bay. Uh, he's going to get almost all of the rushing work. You know, Darrington Evans doesn't have as big of a role as he did last week, but the Packers have given up the second most rushing yards over the last four weeks. They've given up six total touchdowns to running backs in that span, and that turns into the third most fantasy points given up to running backs over the last four weeks. So they've been bad against yeah. running backs all season long, um, even five yards per carry to running backs. They, they've been given up all year long. So, you know, I think this is going to be a David Montgomery game. And, and yeah. by the way, you know, Montgomery has gone over 100 yards from scrimmage each of the last two weeks. Yeah, David Montgomery, It's we never had questions about David Montgomery and his fantasy relevance without Khalil Herbert in the lineup. You know, that was kind of the idea moving into coming into the season that David Montgomery is going to be a lead back and Khalil, Her- Khalil Herbert might be like spelling him and that's about it. They started to shift to a hot hand approach like we had the, I forget who came out and said it was the head coach, I think it was. They, they came out and said that they'd use a hot hand approach, but that's no longer an option, obviously, with Cooler Herbert on IR. So Dave Montgomery's going to get his full complement of work. 
and he's done exactly what we expected him to do with it. He's he's been a solid running back for you the whole time. I don't think the upside is there because the offense it might be bad now again because Justin Herbert is not Justin Herbert. Justin Fields is a low banged up, and they lost Darnell Mooney, so that passing game might not be as effective a compliment anymore. Uh, but he's going to have a nice floor for you every week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores a touchdown, and I'd have him over Kamara definitely. I know you were a little bit. It seems like you you must have been a little bit tied on who you were going to start. Uh, put over who you're going to put over who with Alvin Kamara and David Montgomery because I know you made a la- it was a last minute change. Yeah, like once I realized who David Montgomery was playing this week, and then I looked at his opportunity over the last two games. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing Montgomery over him. Like, and then I saw how bad the Packers have been against the run, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm playing Montgomery over so Kamara this week. It could Kamara has just been disappointing. It could look bad for Green Bay because they just got punched in the mouth for 363 rush yards. So that might inflate it just a little bit if you're looking at season well, long stats. They've been bad all year long, yeah. too. Like every single week. Like they're they've been top five, you know, yeah. in, in in rushing yards given up to running backs and in uh in yards per carry given up to running backs too. It'll be interesting to see how they turn around. I don't imagine them coming through and correcting it. Like it could be another two hundred yard performance total on the ground. Um not for Dave Montgomery, but just as a team for the Bears. But if that happens, Dave Montgomery's probably a big reason why. For sure. Um, I think that's it. Who do we else have? Oh, who, who else do we have? We have Leonard Fournette. Uh, so no, we don't. I'm assuming <laughs> Leonard Fournette is playing. Yeah. So I have Rashad White at 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. If Fournette plays, I have him at 18 as a solid RB two because I must. I'm going to assume that Fournette. You know, if he plays, you know, he might not be. You know, as you know, usable. Like they might not overuse him this week in his first game back. So I'm okay playing Rashad White as a solid RB two. Um, if yeah. Fournette wasn't playing. I'm going to move Rashad White uh, up pretty high. Uh, I'll probably have him ahead of, I would say, Pollard. You know, I was something say, like that. Can you put him over Dalvin Cook and Saquon? I don't think I would. I don't know. I think I think he'll have like a higher floor in PPR leagues. Like, you know, his usage in the past game last week was very intriguing. He called not all nine of his targets. Um, you know, and the Bucks play on Monday night too. So hopefully we know Fournette status before then. But – uh yeah, I, I I think I would play him over Pollard for sure. I'm not sure if I'd play him over Saquon and Dalvin Cook. I might though. I might. I think that he has a hot Saquon has a floor too though. I, I might just yeah. put him over Pollard at 13. I I would put him over Pollard too, and that's I wouldn't put him over Saquon and Dalvin Cook because you think about it. We talk about starting your studs, and this isn't like oh they're having bad performances. You know Saquon we said is has been serviceable. Dalvin Cook he had a quiet game or two. He'll be fine. We've seen what he can do. Their upsides are still, I think, better than Rashad White with Leonard Fournette in the backfield. I mean, not if Leonard Fournette, if we're saying if Leonard Fournette doesn't play. They're still better, yeah. I think, than Rashad White. They all have comparable upside. I think that they're the lead backs in their backfield. There's no question that they're going to get the ball. So I, I would leave I would leave Rashad White underneath them, too. Okay. Okay. And then I got Jeff Wilson at uh, at 19 here. Um, even if, you know, like this is similar to what you were saying with Tua, right? Like it's a tough matchup, but there could be some scoring in this game. Um, mm-hmm. so I like how Jeff Wilson's used. It, it seems like Raheem Mostert might play this week, apparently, according to um Mike McDaniel. Uh, and by the way, I've been loving all the videos that have been going up on social media about Mike McDaniel. Like, I've been digging that. Like, yeah, it's been great. Like, he's, he seems like a cool, cool coach to, to play for. Um, mm-hmm. so it's been fun watching that. Uh, but that's besides the point. Um, the fact of the matter is, like, I'm okay playing Jeff Wilson. 
you know, as a as a solid RB2 this week, despite the matchup, just because I think that Miami isn't going to get shut down this game, and he's going to be their primary running back. Who knows if Mostert is going to be at 100% or not in this game, even right. if he does play. The Dolphins' offense isn't going to get shut down, and the Niners' defense isn't going to get run all over. I don't think. They're both very good units, but they're going to be throwing punches the whole day. Um, I'm not as confident about a Dolphins running back in this matchup just because it is a tough matchup, and I think Tua has talent that Jeff Wilson, even though he has looked good, uh, doesn't have. Um, and obviously I'm comparing apples to oranges here, but I talk about Tua and Jeff Wilson in terms of their talent. But the way this offense operates is pass first. I would temper expectations with Jeff Wilson. I think this is an appropriate ranking for him because we've seen what he can do. He's on a much, he's on a very strong offense, so he should be able to get it done. But I'm tempering expectations. The upside isn't going to be the 23, 20 some points that we've seen the past few weeks with him. Yeah, I might end up moving him down because um, I was I was assuming that Raheem Mostert wasn't going to play again this week, yeah. so he might end up moving down just a little bit. So that those those rankings will be updated hopefully tomorrow, um, and it'll be up on the Patreon page. By the way, you know if you want the full rankings, like all of it, including positional flex rankings, all of it, that that's available on the Patreon page, and that's that link is you know in the description of the podcast and on yeah. YouTube as well. I got Damian Pierce at twenty, and he's staying afloat right now because of the matchup against Cleveland. He's at home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a good matchup on the ground for him. So that's why it's tough. It's like, what do you do with Damian Pierce? Do you play him? Do you bench him? What do you do? So it's one of those situations where he is capable. He's still talented. He's still capable of, you know, having a 100-yard game, I think. Now, yeah. is it likely? I don't know. <laughs> but but at the same time, since he's at home, this is a good matchup. I'm okay playing him as an RB2 this week. But temper expectations. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's looked, it's not his fault, but he has been bad for fantasy the past few weeks. He has exactly eight rushing yards these past two weeks. This is a much better matchup. They better give him the ball. You know, he had five carries last week. That's pretty bad. And granted, the game script was horrific, but with Kyle Allen at quarterback, what are you doing going away from Damian Pierce so early? Like, come on. You're going down. You knew they knew they weren't going to win this game anyway, but at least show some semblance of confidence of knowing that you have your best playmaker in the backfield. They weren't giving him the ball. I couldn't believe it. Um, I don't think that's going to continue. I think they're going to get back to him this week against Cleveland because it is a good matchup, but also because they are running out of options. It doesn't matter who they start at quarterback. This offense is horrific. And Damian Pierce is going to continue to suffer from that. His ceiling is not very high at all, but he's good enough where his, I think his ceiling falls right in that RB2 range, like you said. And this is... I don't want to call this a ceiling. I think his ceiling would be like RB 17 on the week because it's off. Yeah. And, and I'm starting him over Miles Sanders. You know, I know Miles Sanders had a huge week on yeah. Monday night, right? But he's going up against Tennessee. You know, Miles Sanders isn't as involved in the past game, you know, than someone like, you know, I was a lot higher on Samaj P. Ryan last week because of the fact that, you know, I think he could have got it done the past game. Miles Sanders, you know, he's kind of involved in the past game, but nothing too crazy. So I'm not. I think the Eagles get it done, you know, through the air and on Jalen Hurts' legs rather than Miles Sanders' legs this week. So yeah. I'm temporary expectation for Miles Sanders. Um, and then Isaiah Pacheco at Cincinnati. Do they activate Melvin Gordon this week? I don't know. It depends on that. Like, if Pacheco gets all the work again, if Melvin Gordon isn't active this week, I think Pacheco, you know, will get, you know, 90% of the rushing work, which he got last week, which is awesome. That's what you yeah. want. Um, but, like... It's a little iffy for me with Pacheco moving forward. Um, d- did that happen yesterday? When did Melvin Gordon sign? Did we I talk think it about was that at all yesterday. The, I, I think it was yesterday, the day before. But it sucks because 
just as soon as we start to get comfortable with the Isaiah of Isaiah, of Isaiah Pacheco getting the majority of the run, run game work, they go and add Melvin Gordon. And he's going to do the exact same he th- thing he did, I think, if they activate him, that he did to Javante Williams, which yeah. is so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Melvin Gordon has officially become the most annoying player and ruining backfields. Uh, almost, right. almost behind his former teammate, Latavius Murray. <laughs> <laughs> they both are now relegated to that role of just just spreading out touches in the backfield. That's it. Listen, at the end of the day, if Melvin Gordon wasn't fumbling the ball like he like he has been, he's a better running back than Isaiah Pacheco. You know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think Melvin Gordon could take over this backfield, unfortunately. I really do. Like, if Andy Reid has more tolerance for the fumbles, and, you know, he definitely has to clean it up because he's been losing a lot of fumbles this this year. He yeah. really has to clean that up. It's almost like he was he was like sabotaging that that offense. But yeah, so Russell Wilson can hang his hat on the fact that Melvin Gordon <laughs> was sabotaging his Broncos offense. Exactly. <laughs> that is worse in the league in scoring and in the exactly. past twenty years. Uh, exactly. <laughs> there, uh, that was it. How did we miss it? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Pacheco this week can get it done. You know, we, you know, even if Gordon is active, you know, it would be his first week with the team. So you know, I'm not overly concerned about it. I'm still willing to start Pacheco. This week, but yeah. you know he's more of a back end RB two. Yeah. Uh, only one catch last week, so not super involved in the pass game. However, we did bring up the fact that he did run a ton of routes last week. He only ran like five less routes than Jerick McKinnon did. So hopefully that increases as well moving forward. Yeah, it's a good matchup. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him used in new ways. You know, if they're going to bring out a new package for Isaiah Pacheco and surprise the Bengals, you know, any week it would be this week because they're going to need their offense at full force. And if they need that. Go to somebody who it doesn't usually make plays, isn't usually making plays. Isaiah Pacheco, I think his talent is good enough where he should be getting some more looks in the passing game. Zeke at 23 against Indy. Um, you know, Indy has given up a lot of touchdowns to running back. So, I, you know, he's one of those guys. Zeke is like, you know, he might not get a lot of rush uh, rushing yards, but, you know, he'll give you like 14 carries for like 52 yards. Yeah. And, you know, a touchdown. Hopefully that's the line that you want to see. Set aside... Zeke. Set aside what we saw from him on Thanksgiving. Zeke is the definition of a touchdown dependent RB2. That's just what he is. And if he he's he's going to be an RB2, I think, every week. But the difference between a low-end RB2 and a high-end RB2 is going to be a touchdown. And that, that's what he is. Definition of touchdown dependent RB2. He's stuck in that range, but he's not, he doesn't have the upside anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um I got Cordell Patterson next here um, at 24. And the reason why, I ha- like, this might be a little high for some people, but, you know, he did share the rushing workload with um, Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier. Mm-hmm. last week. They both had 11 carries. However, you notice a little bit of an uptick in the past game. He had five targets in this game, only three catches for 19 yards, but it's actually correlated to the amount of routes that he ran last week. We saw a big uptick there. Okay, so Patterson, if you have him, he actually, you might not have realized it, but he actually got a significant upgrade last week. And if you look at the amount of routes that he's been running, he's been around 30% of, you know, in terms of route participation for this year. Um, but he ba- he moved that all the way up to 63% this past week. So if he's going to get, you know, 50% of the rushing share and 60%, 65% of route participation, that is really good. And he might see more targets to go around. Now, this is a, you know, run first offense, right? So keep that in mind. But yeah, in games where, you know, he might, you know, you might have to pass the ball a little bit more 
and you can't run the ball as much like against Pittsburgh. They have a good rushing defense. They might want to have Patterson run, uh, you know, run more routes. You know, we could see more of that moving forward. So Patterson, you know, going forward, like that's kind of what we saw last year. It's kind of what we saw early on this season with Cordell Patterson. Like he has yeah. that multi-use skill set. You know, hopefully they continue to use him like that as well. Because last year, the targets that he was getting, that's that really catapulted him, you know, to an every week start. Yeah, and that, that would do the same thing for him this year. The thing about Cordero Patterson, you know, this offense is thin at receiver in terms of talent. You know, if they need to move Cordero Patterson to a point where he's getting some more targets in the passing game, that's not going to be bad for him or the offense overall. Um, you forget that Cordero Patterson was a wide receiver, I think, before he went to running back when he went to Atlanta. But he definitely has a chop for it. We've seen it. He did it in week one, and that, you know, passing game work really propelled him to a strong finish. I think he was the RB five that week. And then last week we saw it, even though he didn't get much done on the ground, he didn't score a touchdown. He had those five catches. It made him relevant, even though it wasn't a very good game for him. So if we could see that moving forward, um, he's going to be fine for you. I'm not really expecting too much from him um, in terms of ceiling because Tyler Algier is there and Tyler Algier is good. I I don't think he's going to take like so much work that Cordero, Cordero Patterson shouldn't be started, but this, I think, is where his ceiling kind of settles for me. Um, mid RB2 might be where I see his ceiling um, yeah. at the absolute highest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of like a similar to the Antonio Gibson role. Uh, yeah, you know, pretty that, much. that's a really good comparison. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Fournette at 25 here, you know, assuming that he plays. He's a risky start to me, but I really want to see what the practice reports look like. These can go up and down. Usually we do these rankings on Thursday, and we have a yeah. little bit of an idea of like what these guys' statuses are, but we're doing it a little bit earlier. And that's kind of a good thing because you guys are going to have the rankings earlier. You can make decisions earlier in the week, and the yep. rankings will be up on Thursdays. So mm-hmm. that's, that's and you have than you have all our rankings. Friday. All the rankings before the Thursday night game kicks off. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then Antonio Gibson at 26 here against the Giants this week. You know, you know Brian Robinson, I have him at 28. And you might be a little surprised by that, uh, that I have Gibson higher. But I just, the usage for Gibson and, you know, how he's being used, you know, in a large sample size, he has a higher floor than Brian Robinson. Um, yeah. And I just, in, especially in PPR leagues, I'd rather start Gibson going forward over Robinson. Uh, but the what Robinson showed last week in the run game, it, it was good for him. That means that he is startable moving forward. I have Antonio Gibson at 26. I have Robinson at 28. Okay, so it's like, yeah. you know, they're not too too different, but I can see Gibson on average, you know, outscoring Robinson, you know, for the most part. Yeah, and I, I agree. The role, <laughs> I have Brian Robinson. I'm starting him in a couple of leagues. He did well for me last week. So Definitely. I might be a little biased here. He looks like he's getting better, you know, in this offense. And they obviously want to give him the ball. But if you showed me these two guys, their stat lines and their usage, you know, Antonio Gibson is going to be my pick all the way because he gets more of the receiving work. And he does look a little bit more explosive than Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson, he's a tough runner, but he's not explosive like Antonio Gibson. And um, I think it makes sense having Antonio Gibson over him this week yeah. and moving forward. And the perfect guy to split them up the middle, you know, is DeAndre Swift. Swift. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing about Swift is that last week his role did increase a little bit. Um, he started to get a lot of the two-minute offense back. Actually, yep. let's, let's take a quick look at it. Like He, he didn't have any of it. <laughs> and he no. finally, you know, out-touched and had more opportunities uh, than Justin Jackson last week. So that's mm. good. He's moving in the right direction here. <laughs> a high bar to um, clear. But, uh, but yeah, uh, 67% of the two-minute snaps last week, 75% of the third long snaps. That's what you want. Okay, he wasn't getting he was he didn't pass 40% since like week 3. 
Okay, so like yeah. obviously he was hurt, you know, for a while, but it's been like that. And now he got some of his rollback, which is awesome. That's what you want. So now I'm finally willing to start him uh, as like an upside flex play right now. Yeah, I think that makes sense. He's an upside flex play. He's looked better these he looked better last week um than he did any of the other weeks before that. And he was kind of, if you want to call it, getting it done for you by scoring touchdowns those weeks. But he's still far away from what he needs to be the running back that we wanted him to be this season. He's not going to be an RB. I I, I think he's gonna get capped out as a solid RB two. That's where I could see him finishing if everything goes right. But the way they're using Jamal Williams and he's just, you know, a touchdown magnet, DeAndre Swift is going to have a hard time, you know, climbing into relevance behind that unless he's getting a lot of the receiving work. And he has been splitting he, he, he that. He does need – yeah, and he does need more rushing work, you know, in yeah. order for him to kind of be – he doesn't need all of it. He doesn't need, like, more than Jamal Williams necessarily. But give him, like, 12 carries. Give him double-digit carries at least. Yeah, yeah. at least exactly. double-digit carries. I mean, <laughs> you know, eight targets last week and three targets the – Two weeks before that, that's not bad for a running back. You know, if if you're asking me, DeAndre Swift should have at least six targets a game. That's just me. Um, but the running work has been what's been pulling him down a ton. He hasn't had a total, a yardage total over 20 yards since week three. And he only had 31 that week. So that's going to be the issue for him moving forward. Um, yeah, with, without that, he's very, he's just like a fluky flex start for it. Yeah. Zonovan Knight, I have him at 29. And then we talked about him a bunch uh, right in the early part of the episode. So if you missed that, you can, you can, we could talk about That's like the first thing that we talked about this uh, on today's podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then Devin Singletary at number 30. Tough matchup against New England. You know, with Josh Allen getting a little bit healthier, I don't know if he gets those goal line carries as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that's kind of where I have him. And New England hasn't allowed a ton of fantasy points to running backs this year. A lot of, I think they only, they've only allowed one touchdown, one rushing touchdown to running backs this entire season. So yeah, something to keep in mind if you have Devin Singletary. If you need 10 points, put Devin Singletary in your lineup. Sure. That's what, that's what he's good for. I mean, I, I, I guess there might I don't be a little bit. He's going to hit that this week. <laughs> no, maybe not this week, but you look at his, you know, totals this season. He's had, I think he's averaging like 12 or 13 points, you know, yeah. and that's without a lot of touchdowns. I think he's four total touchdowns on the season. So he's a pretty solid start. He's almost like Najee Harris with just a little bit more upside. <laughs> a little bit more juice. A little bit. Um, by the way, um, if you're trying to figure out like what the situation is in Pittsburgh in the backfield, Najee Harris, Benny Snell, Jalen Warren, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. you know, we're in the same boat because it really matters. You know, Jalen Warren, he has the hamstring injury. You know, we don't know if he's going to play this week as of right now the the running back, you know, would be Benny Snell. If Najee yeah. Harris can't play, if Jalen Warren can't play, Benny Snell would get the start. You know, he would be like a, like a touchdown dependent flex play. I would say, you know, that's where yeah. he would, he would land. Uh, if you're wondering, um, you know, a couple of these other running backs, like just right around there, just in case you're wondering like where they are, uh, right outside the top 30. I have Latavius Murray, Gus Edwards ahead of Latavius Murray, Karen Williams, Tyler Algier, Benny Snell. That's where those guys lie, mm. pretty much. Um, but yeah, that's it, guys. Just wanted to kind of give you a preview there. Uh, if you're looking for the rankings, the full rankings, you know, you can go to patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy. Uh, the link is in the description. You can check it out. All right. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow with our wide receiver rankings and our tight end rankings. Hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday. See you guys later. Peace.